Support for the Most Accurate Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They are the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TMAP at manscaped.com. Again, that is 20% off with free shipping when you use the code TMAP at checkout on manscaped.com. Say hello to your new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money, Underdog Fantasy. They offer season-long best ball contests that you can do from your phone or your computer. With best ball, all you need to do is the fun part, draft. Forget about injuries, trades, waivers, and setting lineups. Just set it, forget it, and wait for the winnings to come in. This year, they have a $1 million tournament. That's right. Just draft the best team, and you have a shot at $1 million in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today and enter the Best Ball Mania for a chance at $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or searching for Underdog Fantasy in your app store. Be sure to enter the code 4 for 4 that's the number 4, F-O-R, number 4 again, after you make your first deposit. Hello and welcome to the Most Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gelhar. Today's intro song was Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins off the Top Gun soundtrack. If you've been alive at all in the past 30-ish years, odds are you've heard that song once, twice, maybe even 20,000 times. But the reason I chose it to intro this episode has to do with our guest, who I'm super excited to have joining me today, as we'll be covering late round, late summer fantasy risers. These are the guys to target in the double-digit rounds of drafts who could pay big dividends down the road. Guys to highlight is deep sleepers you should target while your other league mates are starting to reach for defenses and kickers. At the conclusion of this episode, you'll be armed with a true arsenal of late-round targets who could help push your fantasy squad into the playoffs this year. And joining me for this episode, a man with multiple children named for Star Wars characters, a man who <laughs> understands that Die Hard is indeed a Christmas movie, a stand-up comedian and a stand-up guy, it's NFL Network's Adam Rank. Adam, welcome to the Most Accurate Podcast. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. I feel like it's appropriate that I'm on the most accurate podcast, considering <laughs> what most people probably know me for is the 49ers prediction from last year, but whatever. I also, this is my thing, I also predicted Lamar, Jask- Lamar Jackson would be a great quarterback last year. Nobody remembers that. Like Nobody's yeah. like, hey, you were that guy. Well, you know, They're it's like, most accurate, not always <laughs> accurate. So you were, you were accurate on the things that your job is actually about, fantasy football. Predicting, uh, you know, records of teams that eventually went to the Super Bowl. Eh, maybe maybe you work on that this offseason. I told you to draft George Kittle. That should count for something. That but anyway, it, but it's great to, uh, I was going to say, it's great to hear from you again. I know that we do keep in touch pretty regular, like pretty regularly. I yes, mean, we yes. have our own little... We have our own little text chain that we we log on to almost daily, and we do do some Zoom stuff. So I'm like, I was thinking about it, and I know nobody cares now. They're like, get to the sleepers. But <laughs> it's coming, funny. everybody. Don't worry. But it's it's one of those things that they're like, oh wait, I actually talk to Alex probably as much as most people, probably more than some of my neighbors. 
But if you saw my neighbors, you would understand. But anyways, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. All right. Well, it's good to have you on the show. As I mentioned off the top, we're going to be getting into some uh, some deep sleepers. And uh, at the, why you're bringing you on was you and James Coe famously had a, a Danger Zone segment during our time together at NFL Network where you guys would find the most obscure and Danger Zone players to start in deep fantasy leagues. I think the highlight of which was when James had no highlights for Tyler Croft, so he had yeah. the production team do like a hand-drawn sketch of him that aired on NFL Fantasy Live. That was uh, that was terrific. It was a doodle, yeah. It was a stick figure doodle. And not to besmirch the guy who is the showrunner, because he does a, a fantastic job, but he's also this old school... I mean, he's not old enough to 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 have produced Walter Cronkite, I don't think. But like that kind of like newsy guy, like and so then we're trying to pitch like, no, 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 we got this cool idea and it's a stick figure. And he just looks he's got this blank, (laughs) blank stare on his face. But you know what? We I thought it um, credit to James. It was James's follow through and execution and everything. But it worked out. It was it was a fun segment. It was the it's one of those things, too. And Heather Pink was our producer who helped get this off the ground. And the three of us believed in it. And again, the showrunner was kind of dubious about it. But it was so accurate at times that you you had to have it like people like we were legitimately like it was it was it was steeped in actual football knowledge. Right. But we just got to it in a cornball way, which was, you know, the idea. Which, yeah, I don't think anything you've ever done has not had a, a dose of cornballness. But there are no stick figures in this episode, and we will indeed get to you guys with plenty of deep sleepers to target late in your drafts. But first, a couple of uh, big news updates uh, from Friday that we need to touch on. Uh, the top of which is Adrian Peterson is being released by the Washington football team. So, Rank, how do you see this backfield splitting up now between offseason hype bunny Antonio Gibson and former college football standout Bryce Love, both of who whom have been getting targeted quite a bit by the fantasy community in drafts all summer. Yeah, Antonio Gibson was always the kind of favorite there, and I think that he's an exciting player. He, If he didn't have the fastest 40 at the Combine, he was in the top five. And so people have been drafting him all season thinking like, oh, this is going to be the player. And I, I would even anticipate, if you're listening to this before your weekend draft, or even if you've listened, even if you've already had your draft over the weekend, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, he went in the fifth round or did anything like that. And I think people are overlooking Bryce Love, who to me, number one, is a, an actual running back, as Michael Florio, Michael F. Florio put on NFL Fantasy Live on Friday. He was a damn good one at Stanford as well. And I, obviously he's coming off a horrific injury, but he's the player to me that projects is a three down back. And so I love Antonio Gibson. I think it's going to be fun. I think they're they're going to have some plays for him. And it's going to be a situation, though, where you have, you know, not that he's a direct comparison to Tariq Cohen or anybody like that, but I think that he's the kind of player who will have four to five designed plays for, and he'll be amazing, and he'll have a huge touchdown on the week that you don't start him. Bryce Love, though, projects to me as the guy that you can count on. He might not end up being, you know, a, a top 10 running back, but I do believe that he's going to get the volume. So I've been leaning towards him in my drafts. Yeah, especially get considering love comes at a bit of a discount. I, th- I certainly think this is going to be a split. I don't think there's a necessarily a clear cut winner. As you said, love has a little bit more of that prototypical 
uh, running back build and pedigree. I mean, Gibson only had a handful of touches his final year at college, but he is an electric athletic profile. I mean, he's 6'2", 220, and I think he tied Jonathan Taylor for one of the top uh, 40-yard dash times at the Combine. So certainly both guys to take in drafts, and if your draft already happened and you have one of them, then their stock certainly rose, which was good news for the team I have, Bryce Love on, after Leonard Fournette signed with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and kind of put a put a little bit of rain on my Ronald Jones parade. Well, um, that's, that's going to well, happen. Also, what, what, what's also important to remember, too, is if you look at the coaching staff of the Washington football team, Scott Turner probably is going to be the guy who's going to pitch. He's he's the wacko. He's us. Like, hey, we should run this play for Antonio Gibson. And Ron Rivera will be like, okay, that's cute. But he's still an old school type of coach who's going to be like, yeah, give me the running back who's going to run three downs. And I, I, I feel like that that's going to be a little bit of a battle. So we'll end up seeing flashes of Gibson. Why? Why I think that you know Love eventually ends up getting the majority of the work there. All right. Uh, the 49ers are hopeful that Debo Samuel can start practicing next week, uh, but his Week One status is still in some doubt. Uh, is Debo Samuel back on your radar, or not yet? Given the uncertainty around his return from a broken foot he suffered in June of this year. He's a fantastic talent, and I love him as a player. But I look at this offense. And to me, George Kittle is their number one pass catcher. Whomever is going to end up being the top wide receiver, it could end up being Debo. I know Brandon Ayuk has been battling some injuries as well. But to me, it goes Kittle, and then, yeah, I'm just kind of not interested. And it's nothing to do with their talent or anything like that, but just the situation. And the way Kyle Shanahan wants to to distribute the football, heavy doses of running it and then throwing it to George Kittle. So I... I like Debo. I would take a late la- a late round flyer on him, definitely if he's if he tumbles in your draft. But he's not necessarily somebody I'm going to be targeting. Yeah, especially since you think about how Debo earned a lot of his production last year when he was so fantastic as a rookie. It was a lot of really uh, crazy stuff after the catch. You know, he would get a decent, decently deep uh, target, haul it in, and then beat people with his like running back kick returner skills down the field afterwards. And if his foot is not 100% early to start, especially those foot injuries with wide receivers, a position where you're running constantly, you're doing hard cuts, you know, I'm, I'm a little skeptical. But as you said, if he falls late enough, I'm certainly be happy to take him there. For sure. Um, another injury news, Damian Harris might miss week one, recovering from minor hand surgery to repair an inji- injury to his pinky finger. Uh, Harris has been a favorite late round target of plenty in the fantasy community uh, with the Patriots and their, their always muddled backfield. But does this worry you at all a little bit about taking a flyer on Harris, or do you think this is something he'll be able to work his way through quickly? Well, to me, it, it breaks down to a philosophical debate and the way you're constructing your rosters and the way you're drafting. I don't believe that anybody is drafting Damian Harris to be their week one starter. So any news like this should not deter you at all, because what we're doing is we're picking him with the with the mind of weeks eight on this is going to be the player who's going to start carrying this team. And I think that we saw that with Sonny Michelle during his rookie season. And you see it, especially with the Patriots, is that their first-half teams and second-half teams are usually completely different, and they focus in on different guys. So if you've already decided that Damian Harris is a player that you want to go after, and I think that that's a pretty good idea, then don't let this news bother you. In fact, just relish the opportunity to get him at an even better discount and still draft him. 
Yeah, I think that's great advice on Damian Harris. And uh, the, the the read of the in New England backfield is always difficult, but you could be spot on there. I know they were high on Harris last year a little bit, but some injuries and other things kind of kept him out of the mix and Sony Michelle's return. But perhaps this year uh, tells a different story. So before we move uh, into the uh, danger zone with our late round deep sleepers, I got to take a minute to talk to everybody here about Manscaped. Uh, this is a terrific platform, uh, as you've heard me talk about before, for men's below the belt, but grooming even one of the best in the world, if not the best. Their Lawnmower 3.0 is specifically designed to not have any snags. I personally have never had a cleaner trim than when I use the lawnmower. And as you've heard me mention on this podcast before, the bevy of products they offer for all of your just men's care needs are terrific. They've got ball deodorant to help keep you clean and fresh down there all day. Uh, my quarantine hair is getting quite long. I know this isn't a problem you have to deal with, Adam, but their shampoo is terrific when I'm in the shower taking care of that. And you can get all of this and more by using the code TMAP at checkout for 20% off and free shipping. So remember, be sure to check out manscaped.com for all your below-the-belt and other grooming needs. Just terrific products all around. Use the code TMAP for 20% off and free shipping at checkout. And furthermore, i got to take a second to tell you about Underdog Fantasy, one of my new favorite places to play fantasy football. Uh, it's going to be your new favorite place to play fantasy football as well for real money. Uh, they offer season-long best ball contests that you can do from your phone or your computer. If you've never played best ball before, Adam, you can feel free to jump in here. It's a fantastic format because, especially leading up to the season, it gives you all the benefits of a mock draft, except with people that are really into the draft and playing strategically because it's a season-long league that you don't need to set any lineups for. So it's a really great way to sharpen your skills before your main league draft or just get more exposure to other players maybe you missed out on there. All you have to do, draft a lineup, and then forget about injuries, forget about trades, forget about waivers, uh, that your team is going to be there and getting the highest score for you every single week. Um, This year they have a $1 million tournament. You can just draft the best team and have a shot at that $1 million prize. So sign up for Underdog today. Uh, enter the Best Ball Mania for a chance at $1 million in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or searching for Underdog Fantasy in your app store. I downloaded the app and have been starting to use it more and more, which is not good for me as my life is getting much busier with the season and everything else returning. All right, Adam. I now would, it's time. I would, I, oh, go I'm ahead. sorry. Did no. I jump on your sponsor read right yeah, there? Yeah, please, please. That I, is, a, that is a, a rookie move because I was going <laughs> to – Number number one, I have a beard, so grooming products still speak to me. And number two, if you have not done best ball, I know that Alex is sitting there. Re- I'm getting, I'm not getting any money to tell you this, so I'm just telling this to you as a as a friend. Play it in a best ball league this season, and there would probably be no other better, no better place than to do it at Underdog. Give them a shot, and you'll enjoy it. You'll find it really favors it really rewards people who are forward thinking so for everybody who was drafting antonio gibson or or bryce love earlier this year they are going to be rewarded now so give it a shot you won't be disappointed excellent thank you for tacking on to that and of course you have a glorious beard but none of our podcast listeners can can see it right now you can check it out by looking at adam rank's twitter account at adam rank but now the reason you're all actually here our late round sleepers the deep sleepers the danger zone players uh, at the the running back, wide receiver, and even maybe a few tight end positions uh, that we love taking at the back end of drafts that could have massive, massive upside for you either in week one or beyond. So Adam, as the, uh, you know, president of the danger zone, why don't you kick us off here and throw out one of your favorite late round targets in drafts? 
Can I steal off of your list? Is that what yeah? No, this this list was just kidding. ideas for all of us. You know, I was just scrolling through uh, Underdog ADP, looking at late round guys, and uh, I threw these names on here. So please pick and choose I, from the list as you see fit. No, I, I love it. I didn't know if you, if I needed to. I, I'm ready. There's a couple of guys on this list I want to talk about, but I'll I'll just kick off with the easiest one. And if you listen to any podcast, I'm sure they've talked about Blake Jarwin at some point to the point where. Anything less than finishing in the top five is going to seem like a disappointment because everybody loves Blake Jarwin. They love this Cowboys offense. I love Dak Prescott this season. And one of the things is that Cowboys offense last year, and you're obviously they drafted CeeDee Lamb this, 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 this spring, but they still have 177 missing targets from Randall Cobb. Jason Whitney, of course, is in Las Vegas. Cobb goes to the Houston Texans. C.D. Lamb is not going to walk in that door and then demand 177 targets. They're going to get dispersed a little bit. And I believe that Blake Jarwin's going to step up and have a huge role here. We've never really had a, a big-time tight end in a Mike McCarthy offense. Probably the best was Jermichael Finley or somebody like that. But I believe that Dak loves throwing to the tight end. I think sometimes it's as simple as what the quarterback feels the most comfortable with. And Dak has shown that when he gets near the goal line, he loves to throw the ball to his tight end. So I like Blake Jarwin here. And so that is one of the guys that when I'm at the end of the draft, and even now when, when I'm, when I'm drafting with my friends, I can do it. If I'm drafting with Mike Wright of the fantasy footballers, I'm taking him in the 10th round. But I think for most people, you can get him real late in drafts. And Blake Jarwin is somebody that I've been targeting. Yeah, Blake Jarwin's a terrific pick um, for all the reasons you mentioned. And I think what's nice is that they've got offensive consistency, too. Kellen Moore is going to keep calling those plays. He was already designing some nice stuff for Jarwin last year. And if you go back and look at some of those targets that Jason Witten got and go, man, if there was a guy that was only like a decade younger than him and super athletic, he could have probably made a lot more out of that. That's going to be the case with Jarwin this year. Uh, so another guy that's been on my radar, I'm going to start with a less of a super late round pick, but I want to shine a little light on Boston Scott here, especially given the fact that Miles Sanders in Philadelphia still is not quite 100%. He's going to be back for week one, but maybe they're not going to saddle him with as many touches. Scott was a guy that came in late last year for the team when they were just out of options at running back and played really well. He converted most of his goal line opportunities. He made people miss. He had a couple you know, high-scoring fantasy weeks for players that were smart enough to pick him up off of waivers. But he's going, you know, in sharper leagues, like you said, with industry guys, maybe in the 10th round. But in your home league, he's going to be going a lot later, and he's a terrific target because if Sanders can't fully recover from that injury or if they just decide to go with more of a committee, as they've done a lot in Doug Peterson's tenure as the head coach, Scott is a guy, as a part of that big offense, with kind of a lack of wide receiver options, could feature in heavily both out of the backfield and on the ground. So he's a guy that I really like to target, especially when you think about the Eagles getting four games against the Giants and the Washington football team. Doesn't the name Boston Scott bring to mind a character that Michael Scott would have brought out in the office? Yes, much like Prison Mike or something. Like Prison Mike. Scott. Like, hey, oh, look, everybody. Hey, it's Bo- I can't do a good Boston accent. Ah, it's Boston Scat. I don't know. I can't. I've <laughs> never been able to. Brought do- out at the at the Dundies or something like that. I, I would imagine. Yeah. Like he would have put on a, a Boston hat. I'm I'm actually thinking of Jimmy Fallon's ridiculous Boston accent as I'm I'm trying to to enunciate that. But I do agree with you that he is a a pretty good value. I I know that I love Miles Sanders and he's somebody that I want to I draft in the end of the first round, early in the second round. 
And I'm so confident in it, but it's like, you really do need to make sure that you're getting Boston Scott as well. And he is one of those guys who is not only a solid handcuff type of player, but does carry fantasy value on his own. And he's somebody that, in, you know, when you get into the bye weeks, if we start getting some players who are missing time for a variety of reasons that, you know, you might not feel great about starting Boston Scott, but you're like, okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put him in there. So I, I love that pick. I think that's a pretty good option. All right, who else do you have your eye on late in, late in drafts here, Rank? We've got a whole wide list of danger zone players here. Let's keep it going. I really love Paris Campbell of the Indianapolis Colts. And I know that, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. is somebody who people were talking up after the draft. He kind of seems like a Phillip Rivers type of wide receiver. If you think about it, it always seemed that going back to Vincent Jackson and, and other players like that, they always had those rangy, tall receivers in San Diego and, of course, in the later years of Los Angeles for the Chargers. And so Michael Pittman kind of everybody kind of wants to make that comparison. But I really do believe that this season it's going to be a little bit tougher for the rookie wide receivers outside of perhaps Justin Jefferson or somebody like that really coming in and making an immediate impact. And so instead, I want to look at some other players who might have a little bit of time with the team. And of course, Paris Campbell was a rookie last season. But remember how excited they were about him. The Colts were raving about Paris Campbell. And you know what? He was somebody that I looked at last year as having some sleeper appeal, especially if you thought Andrew Luck was going to be the starting quarterback and then things happened. Andrew Luck abruptly retires. Jacoby Brissett comes in and I don't want to, I don't want to besmirch him, but he was, he also hurt his knee in week five and wasn't the quarterback that he was. And Paris Campbell, of course, had his own injury concerns and everything like that. But now, that he's available and he's ready to go. I think you got to go back to that excitement that you had for Paris Campbell last season and kind of put it into this sit in this situation. And you look at this team, Philip Rivers, I, I feel is going to have a nice year. One of the problems that I felt with Rivers over the last couple of years was the yellow balls and the turnovers and everything like that. But when you're playing behind what could arguably be the best offensive line in football, you're going to play a little bit better. You're going to be a little bit more energized. And I think that this is going to be a huge year for Phillip Rivers. And I think that Paris Campbell, not Michael Pittman Jr., should be the player that you're you're targeting. Obviously, T.Y. Hilton's the number one receiver. But I think a lot of people should start looking at Paris Campbell some more. Yeah, it's easy to forget that Paris Campbell was actually a second-round pick last year. Um, as you mentioned, his injury concerns and stuff kind of sidelined him for the Colts in 2019. But he's been getting rave reviews out of camp. Uh, you're right. With Michael Pittman Jr., he's the hot new thing. He's got the size. He brings back those Vincent Jackson comparisons. But um, they were expecting Campbell to be a star last year, and that kind of got sidelined. So now that he's back and healthy, I think it's a really good call. And he's he's getting forgotten about in drafts. So he's definitely a target you can pick up late there. And uh, if I remember it, I think the the Chargers or the Colts, excuse me, have a pretty nice Week One matchup uh, in terms of uh, who they play. So he might be a nice. Nice DFS target, or even uh, if you're in a deeper league, somebody that you could toss in there right away. Yeah, they play um, the Jacksonville Jaguars in week one. So not not too shabby there for... Uh, so they got Indian. a tough matchup, you're saying. <laughs> you, you been, of, of you course going you after to, my friends in Duval County? Hey, listen, I'm a big fan of, of Duval and, and what they're trying to do there generally. But uh, on paper, uh, it could be a favorable matchup for the Colts. All uh, right, I'm gonna, wise guy. I'm going to stick at the, at the wide receiver position here and... Throw a little love to a guy from one of your other teams uh, that you, you keep building on and uh, toss some love at Anthony Miller. Uh, he was a guy that came on really strong late last season for the Bears. 
despite all of their other struggles, he really put together some nice games. And now if they get in, you know, upgrade at the quarterback position with uh, Nick Foles playing there, Miller is a guy who could find a lot of great work in that slot role where we've seen plenty of fantasy players uh, put up fantastic seasons as long as they get the volume. And I know your Bears have about 28 tight ends still on the roster, but with with David Montgomery out, um, I think that there's a good chance Anthony Miller could see plenty of targets, even starting in week one against uh, the Lions and what what could turn into more of a a shootout than people would expect from the quote-unquote black and blue division. But uh, I really like Miller's upside. I, I think he's a fantastic young player, and this is year three in the league, I think, for him, which uh, tended back in the day to be the uh, typical wide receiver breakout season. So uh, if you need some help and maybe a little more consistency instead of a, kind of a high upside dart throw, Anthony Miller's certainly not a bad name to call at the end of drafts. Yeah, and we've seen it coming out of camp. Matt Nagy was raving about him. And again, last year, it's it's funny because I remember – Last season, talking about Nick Foles with the Jags, we were looking at the slot receiver for the Jags as well with that, with the knowledge that that's where Nick Foles throws the majority of his passes. Mitch Trubisky does a little bit as well, probably not as accurately, but whomever the quarterback is, I really do feel they're going to funnel a lot of targets to the slot. And when you look at the Bears offense, they're going to probably run some more 12. Like they, they, they do, they will run some, some double tight ends and everything like that. But I think that, Anthony Miller is somebody that you can probably bank on this season to uh, to, get, to have some upside for sure. Excellent. All right, Rank, throw out another name for us. Let's, let's get through a few more here before we send people on their way. You know what? I was thinking about this because talking about the Chargers made me think of this. I know a lot of people will probably look at Justin Jackson as the backup or the guy to have behind Austin Eckler in that offense, but I really love Joshua Kelly and – Obviously, a lot of people probably didn't watch UCLA football games. I live in Southern California. People do not watch UCLA football games. I watch a lot of UCLA games. And and Kelly always jumped off the screen as somebody like, why are you playing here? Why couldn't you have gone someplace else? Why couldn't you have gone to Utah? Or actually, that's a bad example because they had Zach Moss. But Joshua Kelly was somebody who, had he played for a higher profile program, would be screaming off draft boards. He would be the pick du jour, especially considering that Austin Eckler is not going to carry the ball 370 times. And this isn't a knock on Austin Eckler, who last season was very effective given his quote unquote limited opportunities, but they're going to have to have another running back in there who will spell him. It's going to be a two running back system for the LA chargers. And again, you're drafting this player late. And if Joshua Kelly is not the guy in week one, at some point during the season, he is going to be the clear-cut number two with Austin Eckler. So again, when you're looking at speculative ads at the end of your draft, I would suggest you go with Joshua Kelly. Yeah, it's a, you know, I think in this year with COVID and a lot of leagues, I know a couple of mine have expanded rosters to try and help mitigate some of that stuff. So those Number two or, you know, 1B running backs certainly have a lot more appeal. I, th- I think Josh Kelly is a great add. Um, that team's going to want to run the ball. I mean, they've got a former running back and head coach. And uh, reports are camped that he seems to have the edge over uh, Justin Jackson there. So uh, now... May I say something, too? I know yeah, that it's, it's cool please. because, obviously, with COVID, people are thinking about expanded rosters or IR spots or something like that. I would implore people... 
to have expanded rosters anyways. I love setting up leagues that have deeper benches because, again, I like to reward people who are forward thinking and can, you know, because a lot of leagues, you know, they benefit people who aren't drafting well and they get the first waivers priority for the first couple of weeks of the season because their teams, teams keep losing. And then, no, all of a sudden they built a great squad and there you are winning all the time. You never get priority and things like that. If you're not doing a system where you're using fab budget, if you're not like you don't burn your waiver spot until you use it, if you're resetting every week, it's just so banal to me. I would rather have either deeper rosters, fab or something like that just for com- and these are for competitive people like if i'm doing this with my home like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna screw my sister that's a terrible phrase anyways <laughs> but don't cut that part right there like this no, is but you know you know what i'm saying like if i'm if i'm playing with people who are just playing for fun i don't want to be the shark who's like no we're gonna make we're gonna make seven points for passing touchdowns over fit you know anything like that but i think if you're in a in a reasonably competitive league with guys and girls who know what they're doing, expand the rosters, expand the bench. That way, the people who are doing their homework get rewarded. That's you it. Know, That's my PSA. I, I love that. And another reason why it's smart to just to have expanded rosters in general is it extends the draft, which is one of the best parts of uh, playing fantasy football. And if you do a live draft like we normally do in my, my main league, uh, it keeps you all together, You know, drinking some beers, having some good food, laughing uh, for even longer. So... I would uh, I would recommend that as well. Now I was gonna say rank since you you criticized me for throwing a little shade on your your friends down in Duval there. I'm gonna highlight one of their players who, uh, if you're not like a total draft nick or haven't been eating up all the fantasy content you can get, um, name may have slipped off your radar. But uh, Lavisca Chenault is a second round wide receiver they took. Um, now with Leonard Fournette out of there, there's even some you know uh, rumor rumoring going on out there that maybe he'll get some carries as well. Is it something he did in his time at Colorado? But he is a he's a big body guy. He's got a great athletic profile. Uh, he had great production at Colorado, and reports out of camp are that he's playing very very well. And when you look at that Jaguars team, you know aside from DJ Chark, there really isn't like a clear cut established number two. I mean, you know DD Westbrook is there and and some other options, but Chenault is a guy that could step in and get some design gadget plays, get a heavy amount of targets, especially if Jacksonville get, tends to be a little more pass heavy and have unfavorable game scripts, but He's certainly a name to look for to round out a wide receiver core. If you, especially if you target some of the big guys early, uh, grab Chenault and, and hope he hits on that on that massive upside. You know what, too, uh, I I love that pick, and so I'm not going to come in over the top on that. I did want to <laughs> mention no, but I, I did want to mention a couple other guys like Jerry Judy, who is such a great receiver, and I know that people aren't drafting him because Cortland Sutton's so good. I, I've seen Cortland Sutton going in the top twenty of fantasy wide receivers. But at some point, don't you look at that situation and say to yourself, this is the perfect spot for somebody like Jerry Judy. It reminds me of Juju a couple of years ago where he's playing opposite of Antonio Brown, where he was the benefactor of not being double teamed, of them putting the lesser cornerback on him or things like that. And while the Broncos might not have the pass volume that the Steelers had that season when Juju first broke out, To me, when you look at the talent of Jerry Judy, it seems weird that we're not giving him enough respect. I know it's partly out of deference to Cortland Sutton, but I really think that people are overlooking him. 
You know, I, I'm with you on the Judy Love is just a pure football player because he is terrific and just a phenomenal route runner. I mean, I think part of the hesitation has been that Sutton's there and the questions of, of Drew Locke. You know, I think we weren't quite sure how he'll turn out. But one of the things that often leads to volume is being good. So if Judy yeah. is consistently open, he's going to get targets from Drew Locke. Uh, so I certainly think there's a case to made uh, case to be made for drafting him. I just haven't been super in on it yet, but uh, I fully expect that I could be wrong on that. And I hope I would hope so because it'd be nice for Locke and the Broncos to to hit on that uh, young wide receiver there. Yeah, what a great pick for them. Like they they already were doing pretty well for themselves, and I thought with Bradley Chubb coming back on the defense that Denver was going to be good anyways. And then they go out there and they draft Jerry Judy. They get Hamler. What's it like watching a team say, hey, we've got a quarterback. We are going to surround him with more talent as opposed to drafting his eventual replacement and their running back of the future. Like, it seems like two different draft philosophies, right? It cer- certainly does. And for those of you listening that maybe aren't as familiar with me, I am a, a Packer fan. I currently live in Wisconsin, grew up here as well. Uh, so it, it hurts, Frank. It hurts to, <laughs> to see that. But, you know, as you bring it up, the Packers certainly have some some guys in the late round mix here. Uh, reports out of camp are that Marquez Valdez-Scantling, uh, you know, a hot target last year who quickly fell off the radar, um, has been having a great camp. Rodgers has been praising him, saying he's been more consistent. I'm certainly not opposed to taking dart throws at him or Alan Lazard or even Equinemius St. Brown, who missed last year with a torn ACL. Um, because I, I look at this Packers offense and, you know, obviously I get inundated with news here living in Wisconsin about the training camp and the minutia. But Rodgers went back and looked at some of his tape from 2010 and 2011, noticed he'd been doing some things different, corrected it, and has been lighting camp on fire. But I also just look to this being the second full year in Matt LaFleur's system. And it reminds me a little bit this this time frame of when Matt Ryan had a rather mediocre year, his statistically and in fantasy, his first year with Kyle Shanahan. And then in year two, when he mastered the system, was an MVP and, you know, was a, a stone's throw away from winning the Super Bowl. But we don't need to go down that route to torture uh, Falcon fan listeners. Uh, so I certainly think that there's a case to be made for this Packers offense to take a step in year two and get a little bit closer to those old uh, Mike McCarthy early 2010s uh, offenses where Aaron Rodgers was always a locked in top pick. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to try and get some pieces of the Packers offense. What do you think about uh, those wide receivers rank? No, I, I I believe in that and the Lazard King as well. And it, <laughs> it, it comes to another draft philosophy question because I've seen Aaron Rodgers fall out of the QB one range in some drafts. And this and I'm and if you're unfamiliar with me, I was born in Schaumburg, actually the hospitals in Park Ridge. But I, I lived in Schaumburg for a while to parents who are Bears fans, so it's been part of the fa- it's been part of my family for generations. So it it pains me to really start talking up Aaron Rodgers. And I don't believe as much in the, hey, he's they drafted Jordan Love. Now he's motivated. Like, like, are you implying that Aaron Rodgers didn't care last season? Is that what you're trying to tell me? But what I really do believe is that last year, and I say this as somebody who had a lot of shares of Aaron Jones, that I was very happy that he was so willing to, to distribute the wealth, so to speak. Oh, I'll let Aaron Jones score four touchdowns here against the Cowboys. Oh, that's cool. I I believe that that goes out the window this year. I think that Aaron's not afraid to call his own number. He's going to do more like, you know what? I'm just going to throw it here. And that just has to happen a couple of times 
a season for that to change where he's now all of a sudden back in the top five conversation for fantasy quarterbacks. And like you said, he's in the second year of this offense. He's out to prove himself. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to take Aaron Rodgers late. As a matter of fact, I enjoy it, especially if I, if I'm in the middle of the second round and I miss out on some of the running backs that I want. And I already have Devonte Adams, who to me is the wide receiver too, coming into the season. I'm happy to, t- I'm happy. That's a weird word to say, <laughs> but it, it helps get me used to it because eventually Aaron Rodgers is going to be the quarterback of the bears. So I might as well just saunter into the waters by, by having him as my fantasy quarterback. So next year when he's throwing ropes to Allen Robinson, I can already be like, Oh, I remember this from last year. I'm now, I've now, now you're comfortable with it mentally prepared myself for this. Wow, how dare you just wish casting Aaron Ro- a late career Aaron Rodgers coming to the Bears? Uh, oh, that would, happening. That would that would, pay, that would pain me pain me quite a bit to see. But uh, let's let's toss out a couple more names here. Uh, I did not expect to get uh, Aaron Rodgers in the danger zone discussion there, but I think it makes sense. His ADP is round eight, but I'm I'm not really comfortable getting him there. But if he slips into the double digit rounds, I'd, I'd happily stab him as a late round option. But rank, t- why don't you toss out another uh, another danger zone character here you're you're liking to target late in the drafts? I would look at Chris Herndon. For the New York, New York Jets, if you're looking at the tight end position, and of course we talked about Blake Jarwin a moment ago, Chris Herndon to me is somebody who's been immensely talented, somebody that we liked going into last season. Clearly it didn't work out. We kept waiting for him because he was suspended. I remember I had a strategy last year where if I didn't get Kittle or Kelsey in the first or second round, which was one of my things I was really into, I was like, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to draft Jordan Reed He'll be healthy for four games, and then Chris Herndon comes in week five, and he takes off, and that did not work out at all. But I look at Chris Herndon, and I, and I, I see this offense, and I think that they're going to evolve a little bit. I think, number one, having a healthy offensive line, they did a nice job drafting offensive linemen. They resisted the temptation of drafting somebody like Jerry Judy, which they easily could have done. They said, nope, we're going to go with Mekhi Becton. We're going to be good. We're going to have this solid offensive line. We're going to protect Sam Darnold. And if Sam Darnold gets some time to throw, I believe that Chris Herndon is going to step up as one of their better pass catchers. I think they do have kind of an underrated receiving core. I, I kind of like their guys. I like Jamison Crowder. I like, um, why can't I think of his name? Brashard Perryman. Brashard Excuse Perryman, me. Yeah. I, I think they have a nice little receiving core. I, I, I don't think it's the best in the league, but I'm like, okay, they're pretty good. And I think Chris Herndon can end up benefiting from this. And so, again, if you miss out on one of those tight ends, I prefer to put an emphasis on the tight end position. I don't like ignoring it like a lot of people do, but I think that if you are in a spot where you need to take a speculative ad on a tight end, Chris Herndon should be somebody who's on your radar. Yeah, I, I love the Herndon call. Um, I've been a fan of his for a while, and I think you're right that the uh, the Jets receiving court isn't isn't terrible if it was at full strength, but Denzel Mims is kind of banged up. I think yeah. Perriman's banged up too. So the ones were like... Um, Oh my gosh, uh, what's his name? Jameson Crowder and like a bunch of bunch of Jags. So I think Herndon could really factor into that passing attack. And similarly, I'm going to throw out another tight end here in Logan Thomas for the Washington football team. Due to injuries and, and just their overall roster construction, they don't have many options in the passing attack behind Terry McLaurin. I mean, they have Steven Sims, who, who might be a decent little slot guy, but Logan Thomas, converted quarterback to tight end, uh, he's getting rave reviews out of camp. He's 6'6", 250. He's an athletic. He's an athletic guy. And now that he's been at um, tight end for a couple of years now, maybe this is the chance where he 
in an offense with a lack of uh, of options really, you know, sets the stage for a big year. And with guys like Jarwin and Herndon and Thomas, you know, if I'm drafting a tight end late, I'm just chasing upside because I know if it doesn't work out, I can drop them and go for something else. So these guys that are in either excellent offenses like Jarwin or offenses with, with a lack of uh, top options like Herndon and Thomas really catch my eye in that role as, as high upside guys. And another Thomas, too, Ian Thomas with the Carolina Panthers is somebody to look for as well. Do yourself a favor. Go check out the numbers of Jared Cook when Teddy Bridgewater was the quarterback last season. He loved targeting his tight end. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit of a different offense with Joe Brady there calling the plays. But I still think, again, adding a second tight end is a great idea. This Again, this is a philosophical thing. Adding a second tight end, even if you draft Kelsey or Kittle, given everything that is going on in the world right now, I would suggest that you insulate yourself with a second tight end. Take a shot on one of these guys. Even Irv Smith is another guy you can look at as well. But really, really look into these guys and make sure, you know, instead of taking a seventh running back or something like that, perhaps carry a second tight end this year. Just kind of keep yourself covered in case something happens. Yeah, especially if you have these deeper rosters uh, and you're in a league that has to start a tight end. If you, you know, pocket one of these guys behind an elite option and then they start to hit big, somebody else could could want to trade for them knowing that they have to start a tight end week in and week out. You know, if you had, uh, you know, had Darren Waller or Mark Andrews as as late options last year, like Mike Gesicki, you know, they might have been nice trade bait to help you round out and cover up other other uh, holes on your rosters. All right, Rank, let's each toss out one more guy and then we'll call a wrap on the danger zone. So hit me with uh, your last danger zone pick of this episode slash the 2020 offseason since week one comes next week, which is just crazy. Oh, my gosh. It's so exciting. I really love Brian Edwards this season with the Las Vegas Raiders. And as a little pro tip, I was on a, I was on the radio, uh, the Raiders radio network talking with some people. And as much as they love Henry Ruggs and they love the speed and everything like that, there's a real concern that he is not up to speed where you'd want him to be. And I, again, I don't think that he's going to be a draft bust or anything like that as an NFL football player, but you know, it is going to be tough for some of these rookies, especially the wide receiver position. It's very rare that wide receivers step up and make immediate impacts. I think that we were all spoiled by Odell Beckham Jr. a couple of years ago. And so we keep kind of chasing it when it's now been, you know, second year, third year guys who end up making the biggest impact. But all that being said, I still like Brian Edwards as, as somebody who's just kind of, you know, he's he's I'm drawing a comparison last year to like Terry McLaurin, who was, yeah, you know, like you knew who he was. He played at a big time school. He wasn't a first-round pick, so you kind of didn't think, oh, like, this is somebody I need to look at in my draft. And I think that Brian kind of falls into that category, too. We all saw him play at South Carolina. We know how talented he is. And, again, when somebody else is drafted ahead of you, when Henry Ruggs, your teammate, went in the first round, the buzz and the excitement will be around that player. But I really do believe that Edwards is somebody that you can really look at and count on. And I know that people don't like Derek Carr for whatever reason. I think he's a good quarterback. I think that Raiders offensive line is finally now rebuilt. Pro Football Focus has them rated as the number one offensive line as far as pass blocking. That's going to give Derek Carr a little bit more time this season. So, again, end of drafts. And listen, I've I've talked about 18 end of draft guys, (laughs) but I really do love Brian Edwards, and I think that he can make an impact in Las Vegas this season. 
I'm surprised it took you so long to mention him as, you know, a, a Vegas stan as you are yeah. and somebody it seemed he seemed like your type of player, but no. I think you're right that the Terry McLaurin comp makes sense in terms of how much attention he's gotten, perhaps, because a lot of those Ohio State wide receivers, even if you think back to when Michael Thomas came in the league, they didn't have like super robust eye popping college football numbers. Like you look at Brian Edwards' final season, I think it was shortened by injury, but just raw seventy one receptions, eight hundred and sixteen yards, six TDs, like Solid season, but, you know, it's not like some of these crazy numbers guys are putting up from the Big 12 or what have you. But I think his market share of that offense was huge, and he has just been crushing it all camp with Tyrell Williams on IR now. I think uh, Edwards is is a great, great late-round pick. And all right, for my last Danger Zone guy, let's look here. Uh, No, he's too boring. Um, I was going to talk about Darrell Williams for the Chiefs. I'll just put his name in the podcast at least. Uh, Don't sleep on him getting some early work as they get – Clyde Edwards-Hilaire up to speed. You know what? How about we go back to somebody who was almost like an old-school Danger Zone pick, and that's Jarek McKinnon. Hmm. Uh, there used to be a hashtag free, free McKinnon or free Jarek. I can't remember. Yeah. It was too long ago now. Movement on Twitter when he was with the Vikings. Uh, a spark god, uh, which if you're not familiar with, the spark score is an athletic profile. Uh, and McKinnon was one of the one of the top performers in, in those regards. But he has had terrible injury luck. I think torn ACLs in each of the last two years that he's been with the 49ers. Um, I might be wrong on the injuries, but he's basically missed every game of the last two seasons. However, he's a very athletic guy, and he's an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, it seems like he might have a lead on that role for that Niners committee right now. And uh, I think he's just a fantastic, especially in PPR, later round pick. Uh, you know, Raheem Mostert's going to go way earlier, but McKinnon, McKinnon has the talent. He can run between the tackles, and he's super, super dynamic after the catch. They're saying that, you know, they're, they're great linebackers like Fred Werner can't even cover McKinnon right now, so he could be a, a dynamite addition in PPR leagues as, as a flex play or, you know, if you have to start a deep roster, uh, he's one to target there. Well, Rank, I think that does it. We're finally uh, free to to exit the danger zone. All right. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you had as much fun as I did catching up and, and shooting oh my gosh. on these old guys. It was good. I know that we don't do daily daps or anything like that anymore. Can I say, I know that there's, you were a huge Parks and Rec guy, if I remember correctly. I, I am indeed, yes. Okay. I'm commu- I know community, obviously. I've been streaming Parks and Rec. I've now started season six. It is fantastic. I feel so, so stupid because I watched the first season and I'm like, oh, Amy's trying to be Michael Scott too much. I don't like this. And now, and I'm sure this is based on recency bias. I'm like, this is better than The Office. Now, that's not true because I'm doing like, I'm still rewatching The Office, so I'm like, how can I say that? And I know that it's just recent, <laughs> so I feel stupid that it took me so long to to get on board with Parks and Rec. So I apologize for that. I will say one thing I wish I would have never watched though was Uncut Gems, which was the worst movie I've ever seen. I did not laugh once in that movie. <laughs> I think I had, I think I, I think I laughed harder in The Love Guru. Than I did with Uncut Gems. You, you know, Uncut Gems wasn't meant to be a comedy rank. That was yeah, uh, a dramatic turn. Yeah, I know. It's not funny. You're absolutely right. No, Parks and Rec is terrific. I'm glad you got on it. Uh, and I will <laughs> agree that the first season, they're really trying to find their footing. But I think early in season two, they get a better hold on the characters. And I think that's the strength of the show. While The, the Office might be more downright hilarious in more episodes, I really like just care about the characters in Parks and Rec more. So that's why it's it's a big one for me. But uh, Rank, tell everybody where they can find you and what you're going to be working on this year as well. I know they're going to be keeping you busy at uh, at our old at our home together there at the NFL Network. 
Oh my gosh, where to begin? Obviously, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Rank or on Instagram at Adam Rank NFL because the kid who has at Adam Rank on Instagram will not. I offered him money, Madden coach, <laughs> whatever. It doesn't doesn't and his name's not even Adam Rank. It's Adam Rankin. Like, bro, use your full name. Whatever. You can also find me on NFL Fantasy Live this season. We will be coming to you Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern on the NFL Network. You can also catch us on Sunday morning. We will be streaming our show through the NFL Fantasy app, which you should download. Because not only, listen, if you don't want to have a league on the NFL Fantasy app this season, that's fine. I I understand. You guys are loyal to the brands you've been using for years. I don't want to argue with there with you on that. What I will say, though, is that you can watch games on the all-new NFL Fantasy app. So maybe. Oh, there's a there's a plug. Maybe you just go through and you you sign up for one league. You know, why not? Just check it out. Just check out some of the features. We've got player stories. You'll see my face. You'll see Marcus's face. You'll see Michael F. Florio, whose middle name is Frank, and I want to call him Frankie so bad. we got Kimmy Checks, Cynthia Freeland, and all these great analysts. So you can check that out, and you can watch games. So if you're out, nobody's out anymore, but if for whatever reason you have to watch your game on a phone, the NFL Fantasy app will let you do that so that – if, if for nothing else, just do it for that. There you go. There's a uh, there's a download key on my bio and Instagram and Twitter. So check it out. I would appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. Yeah, no, thank you. This was a lot of fun. And hopefully we gave people plenty of uh, deep sleepers and late round targets to uh, pick up in drafts in the coming weeks. I know I have one more draft still myself, but uh, that'll do it for us here on the most accurate podcast. Don't forget to rate review, subscribe, download, tell a friend, you know, steal your mom's phone and just download the podcast on hers as well. We appreciate it as always. And uh, I'm your host, Alex Gellhar signing off until next time.